Beloved, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to continue our study in our verse-by-verse walk through the book of Philippians. You guys like my new uh, uh, microphone? Hey, man, I- I'm digging on it, man. I-, I love it. Seriously, I like this thing better than the, the battery-operated ones. They seem to go out on me a lot. It don't make me mad, man. I, I agree with you. But anyways, and Brother David, I do love you, and I, I understand you're just being silly. Turn with me uh, to Philippians, guys. Now, what we got going on here, the Apostle Paul, he's a prisoner in Rome. He's a prisoner of Nero, okay? he He's on a, he's a, a sequestered. He can't get out and do much, but he's letting the Lord use him everywhere the Lord allows him to be. So right now, he's in Rome, man, and he's on house arrest. Uh, chained to a guard, but he, that, he's not letting that slow him down. He says, this is my audience, and he's spreading the word. And then the Apostle Paul, he's also the bishop uh, of all these other churches, so he sends out encouragement. He sends out a letter to the Philippian church. He wants to encourage them, and the opportunity he uses to write to them is because this guy, um, Epaphroditus, I think is his name. I'll have to look it up in a minute. But Epaphroditus is a messenger from the Philippian church, and he brings Paul a care package. Uh, he brings Paul a, a gift. So Epaphroditus is there. Paul's thinking about the Philippians. He He's about to send Epaphroditus back to the Philippian church, and he actually sends the Philippian letter that we're enjoying this morning. He sends it back with Epaphroditus to the Philippian church. I hope that makes sense. But anyways, remember, last week the apostle Paul was saying, Guys, Philippian believers, I really, really hope and desire and trusting in the Lord that I'm going to be able to be with you again. I am going to do this. I'm going to send Timothy to you, his understudy, his protege, his right-hand man. I'm going to send him to you as soon as I find out what's going on with my court case here in Rome. As soon as I got some details, I'm going to send him to you. But this week he says, now this is what I am going to do right away. I'm sending Epaphroditus back to you. That's where we're at. Now, look at Paul's situation, man. Um, it's not a situation that any of us would like to be in. Uh, nobody wants to be in jail, and certainly nobody wants to be in, in jail back in those days. And having uh, basically a death sentence hanging over his head, he does not know. There's some things that he's hoping and trusting in God for. But he doesn't know how this thing is going to end. You know, so he's got all this hanging over his head. But he's refusing to give in to discouragement, even though there's ample opportunity for that. He's trusting in God, and he's using this opportunity, even though he's sequestered, he's kind of tucked away in this situation, he's using this time to continue to let God use him. What can I do while I'm in this situation, while I'm on house arrest? Well, I'm going to witness to everybody around me. I'm 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 certainly going to do that. But let me write some encouragement to my brothers. So there's a a lot in there for us. But moving forward, Philippians 2, and uh, let's just read these verses together real fast. Philippians 2 and verse 25. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who was also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because because he heard... um, Hold on. He is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only him, but me also, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, 
I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor. People like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So that's our text today. Lord willing, we'll get through it. If not, that's okay. Father God, thank you for your anointing and thank you, Lord God, that this will be a, a, an exciting study. Lord God, that we will all be blessed and uh, be encouraged, Lord, and we will walk in obedience to your word. And thank you for your just your love and your mercy and your grace and just being so wonderful to us. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' wonderful, precious name, we pray. And everybody in the church building said, Amen. Give the Lord some praise, seriously. God is good. Amen. Philippians 2, 25. This is Paul talking to Philippian church. You guys know that. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. Like I said, this is the guy that is bringing the care package or the love offering to the apostle Paul who's incarcerated at the time. Um, but look right here, and you got it right here on your monitor. Look at how Paul describes this guy, Epaphroditus. Okay? He says, my brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier. These are all good Christian qualities. Can I get a witness? Amen. Y'all with me this morning? This is what we're shooting for, guys. And we see how Paul, he's, he's, you know, he, he gave honor to Timothy last week saying, I can, I, I got nobody like him. I can totally trust this guy. Paul's get a, Paul is really good about uh, giving honor where honor is due. You know, and right here talking about Epaphroditus, he says, my brother. And so this is our church family, right? Uh, we're, okay, we're all in this together. Does that make sense? Okay, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Savior you have been grafted into the family. God is our Father. It's not just something we say. He is our Heavenly Father. He adopted you. So, yeah, we really should be excited about that. You know, that you've been adopted. You've been handpicked. And, and so, what does that make us? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And just like we don't just say, well, God is our Father. And sometimes we do say it, but we don't think about it. God is our Heavenly Father. Okay, so He provides, protects corrects, takes care of me, so on and so forth. Well, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And what a wonderful honor for Paul to say, Epaphroditus, this guy is my brother. We're in the same family. And that goes for all of us too. We might not get along. We might not agree on everything. But let's start with that foundation that we're in the same family. You know what I mean? There's a whole world out there that doesn't get us. There's a whole world out there that doesn't understand us. And quite frankly, there's a whole world out there that needs us, man. You know, we're supposed to be salty. We're supposed to be that light. You know what I mean? So as always, Satan wants to bring division into the church. We've talked about that uh, a lot in this study. But that's what that's one of the driving forces in this letter that the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's talking about unity, loving your brother and sister. So moving forward, let's talk about being a brother real fast. Look at 1 John 3 and 11. Okay. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. This is John the Revelator. He's saying, what we got here, this ain't nothing new, okay? But you know what? 
this is still good stuff. Even though it ain't new, man, it sure ain't broken. This is what we are supposed to do as Christian people. Okay? This is what God requires of us. Amen? You know what I mean? For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now, that's not the easiest thing in the world. You know, we're all different. We all come from whatever. We all have different opinions, different different backgrounds and stuff like that. But you know what, man? This is what God wants. This is what God desires. And, he's, and he, he says over and over again, it's not really up for debate. It's not for you to be like, ah, I love you. I don't love you. And, you know, it's not like taking the flowers. She loves me. She loves me. No, man. We we are to be committed to one another. Amen. Yeah, give him some praise. And I, and I certainly know that I've fallen short in this area, but, but you know, that's why we're going over this stuff, man. We need to grab a hold of the word of God and not just, not just read it, not just listen to it. But like James says, we need to be doers of the word. So if this is something that you're lacking in like me, well, let's dig in. Let's do this. Amen. Okay. Proverbs 17 and verse 17 talking about brotherhood. I think this is my all time favorite verse on the topic. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So that friend that loves at all times, and we're, t- we're talking about, we're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. We're talking about being committed to one another. So that friend that loves at all times, man, you know, whether, whether you're the hip kid or the cool kid, it doesn't matter what, you know, it, what, look at, look at the, uh, the prodigal son for, for just a brief second. Remember this turkey? Remember this cat? The prodigal son, he took all his father's wealth. He, well, he took his inheritance and he went and squandered it. And, uh, when he had all that money and he was living the high life and the partying and, and he was in the discotheques and doing the dancing and all that and everything, you know, he had tons of friends, right? But then when that money was gone, he didn't have nobody. He was all alone. Okay. We ain't like that, right? Good times, bad times. We are to be committed to one another. Make sense? That's what we're shooting for, man, to be there for one another. And check this out. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Man, I love that. I absolutely, I just, I just really dig that part, man, because, you know, I, I've been there for a lot of buddies and a lot of buddies I haven't been there for. I've been very selfish in the past. You know, there's a lot of things I'm ashamed of, but see, this is what God wants out of his people. And, and what is our example? Jesus Christ, man. You know, Jesus Christ who says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, you know, and he truly is that brother that is born for adversity. So instead of, you know, scooting out the back door when things get tough, you know, a brother, a Christian brother is rushing to the scene. A a brother is there to to help you get through these hard times. And that's what the Apostle Paul, when, when he's talking about this guy, Epaphroditus, who he's sending back to the Philippian church, he's saying, this guy's my brother, man. He, he is my brother, but he's much more than a brother to me. Amen. And that's an awful good start. That, that's a quite an honor for the apostle Paul to say, this is my brother. Okay. But he also says, this is my fellow worker, man. You know, we're on the same page. We're, we're working for the same goal. And that, that's us again, guys. You know, we have this mission to spread the gospel, to live that godly life, you know. So, like I said, these are all things that I know I need to work on, and I'm sure that we all need to work on this stuff. But the Apostle Paul says, this guy's my fellow worker, man. We've been in the trenches 
together. We've been through the thick and thin of it, man. This guy is awesome. Not just my brother, but we're on the same page. We're working in the same direction. And so we're talking about unity now. So look at this verse, uh, Psalm 133 or 133. Psalm 133, verse 1. This is super cool. Talking about unity. Um, cause here we are again talking about unity. Um, behold, check this out. Behold, dig if you will, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. You know, God wants us in unity, man, you know, and Satan wants so hard for us not to be in unity. So as Paul's going down the list talking about his, his buddy, um, Epaphroditus, he's saying, He's my co-worker. We're on the same page. We got the same mission. We're going for the same goal. And that's us as well, man. You know, we, we, I'm not saying we have to agree on everything. We certainly do not have to agree on everything, but we need to agree on what is truly important. You know what I mean? And all the rest we give to God and let him sort it out. Can I get a witness? Thank you, Jesus. And he says, my fellow soldier. Now, this is my favorite part. My brother, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. That's talking about, you know, going through, man, going through these trials and storms and hard times. Epaphroditus has been there with me in the trenches, man. You know, we're moving in the same direction, but this guy has suffered right alongside of me. He has been there for me. And so we got a verse talking about being that good soldier because as Paul says, this is how Epaphroditus is to me. You know, this is how God wants us to be for one another. Does that make sense? That we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are in the same family. We do need to be in unity and working in the same direction. We are co-workers, man. You know what I mean? Um, this is our family. And, and man, check this out. We are all in this together. We are all soldiers for Christ. What an awesome thing, man. You know? What a beautiful, awesome thing that not only does God uh, say that you are my servant, not only does God say that I am your father, but he says, I have commissioned you. I've drafted you to be in my army, to be in service to him. So look at Second Timothy 2 and verse 3 and 4. Uh, this is talking about us. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Be devoted to that mission, guys. You know what I mean? We, we, we really have one main objective, and that is to live for God to give God glory in what we do, you know. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I've already said this many, many times. Of course, we go to school, we work hard, we be productive, we have families and all that stuff. I'm not saying that that we don't do those things, but I'm saying, number one, man, we got to put God first. We're devoted. He's the admiral. He's the commander. He's in charge. Sharing suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And I know that we've done that. And, guys, i got news for you. We're going to continue to do that. This ain't the easy road that we're on, you know, and, and we're going, the world's going through some crazy times right now, and we need to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to understand that we're in this together. You know what I mean? Because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, evil darkness behind the scenes where, where people are trying to separate us. Uh, somewhere, somehow, something evil is trying to separate people and get us to come against one another instead of uniting. And I think the Christians, man, we got to be stronger than ever and realize, man, these are this is an attack from Satan, man. You know what I mean? This is this is Satan trying to drive a wedge, not not just between 
all of America, are, are, but, but in the church as well, man, trying to get us to be confused and distraught and split up. No, we can't do that, man. We're in the trenches together. We're, we're, we got, we got, we got to be obedient to the boss, man, and that's Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness? Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Verse four. This is good. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. You know, and that is so true, man. We can, we can, uh, we can bicker and fight about what, what should and shouldn't happen in America and stuff like that. But there, but there's, there's people out there that are too busy taking care of us, protecting us. You know what I mean? There's people that don't have the luxury of wondering what they're going to do on the weekends or what they're going to do this holiday season or what we're going to have for Sunday dinner, if I'm going to go to church or not, because they're busy. They are in the U.S. military armed services. They're out there uh, doing what they have to do so we can sit back and rest at ease and peace. Amen. Can I get a witness? And so here we are, just like Epaphroditus and Paul, we're in the trenches, man. We're in a war. We're in a real spiritual war. Now, the battle's already been won, okay? But guess what, man? Just like the, just like the Germans and the Japanese after World War, during World War II, you know, uh, they knew they were fighting in a hopeless situation, but, but they were going to fight till the very last man. They're, 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 and that's what Satan is, man. He knows he's lost, but he wants to take as many as us, as many of us as he can with him. Can I get a witness? I get excited, man. I, I listen to the, to the sermons and I get all riled up and I talk super, super fast. And then I spend like the rest of the week like talking like really slow. <laughs> yeah. But you, you guys, time's important, man. So I just want to, I, I just, I just, nah, I just talk fast when I'm up here. I'm sorry. You guys are bright. You guys are smart. You're soaking it all in. Thank you. I love you too. Okay. No soldier. Don't you guys love Sister Claudia? Give, give her a round of applause. Talking about, talking about a soldier. You know, Sister Claudia, man, she has been here from the beginning. And I don't mean from the beginning, like in Genesis. She ain't that old. No, I'm playing mama. I love you. If you're listening to this far away, I'm talking about Sister Claudia. She's the most precious, precious person. Moving forward, guys. Philippians 2, and, and excuse me for that rabbit trail, but Sister Claudia, you know, the Apostle Paul's given honor where honor is due, and I think we should do the same. Philippians 2 and verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send you, to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So this is pretty cool, man, that Epaphroditus, this brother, this co-worker, this fellow soldier, um, his heart is breaking because his church family, now listen to this, Epaphroditus's heart is sad, his heart is breaking, he is distressed because word has got out to the Philippian church that this guy Epaphroditus was very, very sick. That he was, and he, as the Apostle Paul's about to say, this dude was like really, really sick, like knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. This dude was really, really, really bad off. But he's, he's doing okay now. He's doing better now. But his heart is sad because his brothers and sisters 
in Christ, his church family, he doesn't really know what's going on with him. The church is sad in Philippi. So therefore, our buddy Epaphroditus is sad. Now what he wants to do, he's like, just like the Apostle Paul longs to be with the Philippian church, and he can't wait for that to happen. He's trusting in God to make that happen. Epaphroditus longs to be with the Philippian church again. He wants to be back with that group. He wants to be back with his family. What he wants to do is he wants to insert himself into that problem where they're all freaking out because he's sick. In other words, he wants to bring them peace. You know what I mean? Imagine if we hadn't heard from uh, somebody for a long time, and you know, all of a sudden they walk through the door during the service. I'm like, hey, man, I made it. I'm alive. woo you know, dude, we'd be so stoked, right? That's what he's shooting for. He's like, man, I, I got to get back to these guys, man. I, they got to see me. I'm okay. He he wants to put himself in that situation. And that, and that's what God does in our lives. You know what I mean? When we're going through a hard, let me try and put this together. But it's so true. When we're going through a difficult, hard time of trial, even when we're dealing with our own consequences of our own stupid, selfish actions or whatever, you know, when we cry out to God, he is that present help in our time of trouble. You know, he does want to plant himself in our situation. That's what he does. He gives himself. He puts himself in that situation. He brings peace to that situation. He's like, you're not alone. I am with you. We're going to get through this together. Can I get a witness? And that's what Epaphroditus wants to do. And uh, um, it's interesting. Epaphroditus, he knows, man. He's like, man, I made it, dude. I'm okay now. But he's still sad. He's sad because his brothers and sisters are sad. They don't know what's really going on with Epaphroditus. So even though he's feeling great, he wants to be with these guys to bring him peace and say, hey, I'm okay. He's sad because they're sad. And there's a lesson in that for us, too. You know, the Bible says that we need to mourn with those who mourn, you know. And that's going to happen when we truly become brothers and sisters in Christ, when we truly care for one another, you know, when we really are concerned for one another. The more I get to know you guys, the more we, we get familiar with one another, the more I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to genuinely be concerned about you. Does that make sense? You know, like, I, you know, Christians were supposed to be there for our neighbor. We're supposed to love one another. And I certainly love the guy in the line at, you know, Bennigan's or Taco Bell or something like that. You know, that's what we were called to do. But, man, when you get to know somebody, that's when you really get to love them and be committed to them. Because, you know, you, you just, there's that connection. So Epaphroditus says, I, I, you know, his heart is sad, man. He's sad because his buddies are sad. And he knows I'm okay, man. I'm cool. I'm fine. I feel good. I'm good, man. Feeling a little better each and every day. Dr. Luke is taking care of me. All is well. Um, but anywho, I mean, that, that's a picture of Jesus, too. You know, if you go back, look at the little verses. The little verse up there is Jesus wept up there. Go to the next slide, beloved. See that little verse, Jesus wept? If you've never been to church in your entire life, man, you can quote that verse. Jesus wept. I remember hearing that a lot when I was a, when I was a young, rowdy one. And I, I, never mind, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. God is good. Tell the truth. Anyways, um, why did Jesus weep, man? What is that talking about? Well, you know, his buddy Lazarus has died and he gets the he gets the news from Mary and Martha, hey, the one you love is really, really sick. Come back, do your thing, raise him up. Don't let him die. Come back. Come do the thing you're always doing, man. Make this guy better again. Well, when Jesus gets there, he's been dead for several days. And Jesus, just like Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus says, man, I feel good. I feel great. You know, I know I'm good. 
but his heart's sad because the Philippian church was sad. So Jesus walks on the scene. Mary and Martha are just beside themselves in despair, just so brokenhearted. And they're mad at Jesus. They're like, Jesus, he could have, he could have done something. I've been there. You know what I mean? Um, and he sees all these people sad and just crying over. He sees the effects of sin. It breaks his heart. It makes, he makes a man. He, he sees his, these people that he loves crying and sad and it makes him sad. Jesus wept. Jesus really really wept, even though he knew that Lazarus, if he didn't raise Lazarus up from the dead, Lazarus was doing just fine, man. You know what I mean? To be absent from the body, present with the Lord, so on and so forth. He knew Lazarus was okay, you know. And besides that, he knew he was about to raise Lazarus up from the dead. You know, just a couple, few verses down the road, he was going to, you know, roll, roll the stone away, let uh, Lazarus come forth. He knew he was going to raise him up again. He knew everything was going to be okay. But his heart, Jesus' heart was sad because people he loved was sad as well. You know what I mean? So don't ever think you're going through something all alone. God is with you and he totally cares about what you're going through. Amen. Does that make sense? Tell the truth, shame the devil. All right. Give the Lord some praise, please. For he has been longing for you all. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Verse 27. I like what Paul says about this. Indeed, he was ill. Paul's like, yeah, man, this dude was really, really, really sick, man. Scary sick. Indeed, he was ill, ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I find that very interesting that the Apostle Paul says, you know, if Epaphroditus, my brother, my co-worker, my fellow soldier, if he was to die, I would be like saddened beyond words, man. Sorrow on top of sorrow. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, man. This is this is the guy that's been caught up into heaven. He knows how the whole thing works. You know, this is the Apostle Paul who says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is the Apostle Paul who, who knows. He, he even said, in Philippians chapter 1, I believe that, uh, oh man, I hope I don't butcher this. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. Something like that. I think I, I think I nailed it. I don't know. We need the fact checkers. Okay. No, but see, anyways, he's like, the apostle Paul in chapter 1 is like, if I die, you know, if this gel thing ends up with, with me losing my head, hey man, it's gain. It's good. It's good. It's better than you can imagine. But if I stay here, I'm going to be doing the Lord's business. So it's a win-win for me. It's a win. Apostle Paul said, it's a win-win for me. But talking about his homeboy, talking about Epaphroditus, his buddy, he says if he was to die, man, it would just be so, I would be have sorrow on top of sorrow on top of sorrow, man. So once again, it is okay to mourn, man. Uh, the, the Bible says there's a time for that. Does that make sense? The Apostle Paul says, uh, this would just be too much on me, man, if this guy was to die. Um, it's okay. It's okay to mourn. And I want to say that, man, and I want that to sink in because sometimes Christians are like, eh, you know, he's in a better place. And Yeah, he's in a better place, man. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay to mourn. Can I get a witness? The Apostle Paul said, if that was to happen, man, I would be messed up, cuz. Okay. Um, look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 8. 
10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Now, I'm going to read verse 27 again. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also. So Epaphroditus was about to die. God performed some sort of miracle. And so he doesn't die, and he's, he's doing good now. You see, this goes back to the whole thing. The Apostle Paul said, I, I, I don't think I could handle that, you know. Well, the truth is, we don't know what we can handle until we're in the middle of it because God gives us strength. You know what I mean? But as he looked for it, as he was thinking about that possibility, he's like, I don't know, man. I don't know about that one. But see, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, let this put our hearts and our minds at ease. And this is the whole thing God won't give us more than we can handle. And that is certainly a true statement, okay? So you can look at yourself and think, well, man, my, my world has been upside down. Charlie Brown for a long time now, man. You know, well, God is not going to give you more than you can handle. You're going through this, but it's to draw you into a deeper walk with him, whatever that is, whatever it is. And I'm not saying you're not going through real problems. I'm just saying that God is faithful. Let me just say that God is faithful. First Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Uh, this is the apostle Paul, by the way. So the apostle Paul just said, if, if Epaphroditus was to die, I'd have sorrow on, on top of sorrow. But he also said this to the Corinthian church. No temptation. That temptation, we all know what temptation is, but let me make this clear. This temptation is interchangeable with trials, hard times. Does that make sense? It's certainly talking about temptations, but it's also talking about trials, hard times, difficult things that come our way. No temptation or trial has overtaken you that is not common to man. Let that sink in, okay? This suffering thing, this this hard thing that you're going through, um, you ain't the fir first person to go through it, okay? And that's the truth. Other people have suffered just like me and you in the same type of situation, okay? No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Now listen to this. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that cool? If we really understand that and believe that, that God is not going to give me more than I can handle, that there will always be a way out. There will always be, uh, He will always be with me. He will always give me the strength that I need. Make sense? That's wonderful, man. That, that, that is awesome. So here's the news that, that we get to go to heaven when we die. Here, here's that news way up here. Jesus Christ died for us. Our sins have been forgiven. And that's awesome. And you're not going to hear anything better than that ever in your life. But this is some really good news too, man. That God is vigilant and watching over us. Okay? And just like with Job, he'll say, okay, that's as far as you can go, dude. That's as far as you can go, cuz. Oh, guys, people look at your neighbor and say, that's as far as you can go, cuz. <laughs> oh, man. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He doesn't always say he's, he's going to snatch you out of it. But he says, I'm going to provide for you a way to get through it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the strength to endure it. I'm going to be your present help during this time. I'll give you the strength you need. Moving forward, let's go to the next and final slide, Clyde. Is everybody okay? God is so good, man. I love you guys. I love you guys so much. God is faithful. We're blessed. 
Philippians 2 and verse 28. I am the more eager to send him. I am the more eager to send him, therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. I find this very interesting as well. This is the super, you know, Christian. And he is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this guy's amazing, man. And there's so much in the New Testament that we owe to the Apostle Paul. But he just says, you know, uh, um, I can be a little stressed out about this Epaphroditus guy, man. You know, it's like he was really, really sick. And I'm in no position, you know, I'm locked up here. I, there's not a lot I can do for the cat. You know, he got really, really sick, and I, I need to send them back to you guys. You see, he even mentions anxiety. It's like, uh, I need to lessen my anxiety. Now, this is the same Apostle Paul who is going to tell us, um, this is not on your monitor, I don't believe, but we will hit this in the weeks ahead. Now, Philippians 4, which is two chapters down the way, Philippians 4 and, and 6, he says, this is what the Apostle Paul says about anxiety. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. Okay, so on and so forth. So the Apostle Paul is going to make this statement down the road to the Philippian church. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't have that dividing care. Don't have this thing in your life that is going to steal your joy. And then Peter says uh, the same thing roughly in 1 Peter 5, 7, I believe. Yeah, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So we have we have two commands by two Christian pillars, um, two Christian apostles through the Holy Spirit. The apostle Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Okay. Peter says what you do with it. Paul does as well, but he says, casting all your anxieties on him. Okay. So then we have this situation where the apostle Paul says, uh, this thing with Epaphroditus, man, it's kind of stressing me out. You know, there's a lot of room here for me to be really anxious about it. So I'm going to take the practical steps I need to take for this situation. I'm sending them back. So it's not like he's conflicting with his theology here. He's just saying, this is what I need to do. Okay. In other words, he's doing his part. Does that make sense? He's doing his part. Okay. This is what I need to do. It's like when you got the big, big test coming up, kids. You know, you got the big test and, and you decide you don't want to study and you like start quoting the Bible like, uh, if I need wisdom, I'll ask God. And he'll, they're like, well, yeah, that's true, man. But God surely says you need to study to show yourself. We got to study, man. You got to do the, you got to do your part. You're like, Noah had to build that boat, man. Noah had to build that ark. You know, God did the heavy lifting. God did what he said. You know, David had to get good with that sling and, and God provided him a lot of opportunities. You know, gave him the lion and the bear before he got Goliath. So what he says, I'm, I'm sending this guy back to you because I don't want to be stressed out. It's not that he's he's not following his own teachings by the word of God. It's not that he's not following that. He says, well, this is what I need to do to make that happen. Send this guy your way. Does that make sense? Um, let me back it up just a little bit. Um, Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Um, because I think sometimes as, as Christian folks, I certainly can miss this and not understand that God does require me to put a uh, foot to my faith. You know, I think that makes sense you know but okay so anyways isaiah 41 and verse 10 this isn't a new verse fear not for i am with you oh that's beautiful 
Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Okay, so you're with me. God is with me. That's wonderful. What does that look like? I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's some things that are so far out of our grasp, man, that we just got to give it to God. But God also uh, gives us training and wisdom. You know, he's like, okay, dude, you don't have to pray about it. Just do it. You know the right thing to do. Do it, man. Should I click on this and look? You know what to do, brother. You know the right thing. Okay, so check it, check it out, man. He says, I will help you. If I come over uh, to Nathan's house and I say, Nathan, good buddy. I'm going to help you mow the lawn today. You know? Nathan knows me well enough to know I'm not about to mow all his grass. I'm not going to, hey, you know, I just thought I'd mow all your grass for you because you're younger than me and a lot healthier. And, you know, I just thought I'd go ahead and do this so I might have a heat stroke. No. But I said, I said, I'll help you, man. I'll do the stuff that you can't get to. I'll, I'll, I'll do my part, but you should do your part. So God says, I'll help you. You know what I mean? Okay. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. You guys got it. All right. Okay. Whatever. I am the more eager. I am the more eager. Paul's like saying, eh, really need to send this guy back to you. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. Verse 29. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. There Paul is again. Paul's already bragged about the guy saying he's my brother, he's my co-worker, he's my fellow soldier. He's saying, you guys give this guy a hero's welcome, man. And this isn't some heavy hitter that every kid in Sunday school knows about, Epaphroditus. You know what I mean? He's in the Bible like twice, I think, and it's in Philippians. Um, he, he, he's not a household name, you know, for everybody that's grown up in church. In other words, you know, he doesn't make it to the hero's hall of faith or anything like that. But Paul's giving this guy great honor, just like he does Timothy and everybody around him. You know, and so there's a lesson in that for us too, man. You know, we're all in this together, whether you get to get up here and, and sing and jump around or whatever or talk or, you know, teach a class. We're all in this together. We're all soldiers. We're all brothers. We're all in the trenches together, all working in the same direction. And we need the fingers like we need the ears. We need the nose like we need the toes. Everybody's in this together. We want to honor one another. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor and, and honor such men. Verse 30, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So Epaphroditus is the guy that was able to bring me the love gift. You guys couldn't come do it. But Epaphroditus stepped out of his comfort zone, came to bless me with this stuff, and he got sick somewhere along the way. You know what I mean? Um, and you guys need to honor him and realize, man, that this Christian walk thing, man, it might just cost you more than, than friends, you know? And that's what I want to end with today is we, we do, and we've heard it, you know, we've heard it. But let it sink in, you know, because we are in a war, you know? Um, that this thing could cost you your life. You know, just like Epaphroditus almost died, well, the Apostle Paul is going to die. He's going to get his head cut off. The Apostle Peter, he's going to be crucified upside down. Um, a lot of the early church, a lot of the early church had to pay with their life because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. So when we call ourselves brothers, co-workers, soldiers, that's nothing to be taken lightly because God doesn't take it lightly, you know. 
that, that we are commissioned to be obedient to him, whatever that costs us. You know what I mean? Just like Epaphroditus is like, okay, this thing might cost me my life, man, but I'm in it, man. I'm in it to win it. I'm committed. Um, so look at Matthew 16 and verse 24. Um, and I don't want to brush over this, but so just let this sink in. Matthew 16, verse 24. This is Jesus talking to us. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, do you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. See, it's not about you. We're talking about being soldiers, man. You know, we're obedient to the boss, man. Uh, wherever that takes us, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Are you willing to take up your cross and follow Jesus this morning? So if you're not a Christian, if you haven't made that decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want you to be our brother. We want you to be our co-worker. Um, we want you to be a fellow soldier with us. Um, we want you to be in the family. Um, because I, I, we're, we're in this crazy, I don't know who's saved and who's not. If anybody isn't saved, I don't know. But I know this, man, that, that when I when I take my last breath, man, it's all gravy for me, man. You know? And I don't take that lightly. I don't want to die. Um, I want to see my little girls married off and all that stuff to good Christian young men. Um, I still got, I want to get my slot on American Gladiators TV show. Um, is this, never mind. Um, there's, there's some things I want to do, but, but if I die leaving the parking lot, man, and it's really gruesome and nasty. No, but, but, but if I, you know, it, man, I'm going to heaven, bro. I'm going to heaven. It's all good. And that there's nothing bigger or better than that. So if you don't know Jesus, you need to do it today. So we're going to say this prayer. We're going to say this prayer. Everybody can say it. If you haven't asked Jesus to be your Lord, so do it right now. But if you're just mouthing the words, that don't mean nothing. But if you mean it, it's going to stick. God is faithful. Okay, so here we go, man. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I have fallen short in many ways. I know that you are the Son of God. I know that you, Jesus, died on the cross and rose from the dead and paid the penalty for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and become the Lord of my life. And I will serve you for all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that and meant that, well, congratulations. You're in the family now. And uh, please come and tell us so we can rejoice with you.